we were in Bali for five months and, you know, we had an amazing house with like views of rice fields and the jungle and swimming pool and like two beautiful bedrooms and like an outdoor kitchen. And it was just stunning. And that was about $800 a month. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 249. Nowhere in the world is as cheap as Cuba for going to the movies, with an average movie ticket costing only 20 cents. So with popcorn, two sodas, and some candy, you might be hitting a dollar. I love it when people create stuff not only to help you travel better, but also to help you travel cheaper. And our guest today, Erin, and her partner, Simon, did just that with an app that they created called Trail Wallet. And what's so great about Trail Wallet is not only is it easy to track your travel expenses, but it also helps you stick to your travel budget. And one of the big things that Simon and Aaron do that Heather and I also do is only travel with carry-ons. And I thought Heather and I were pretty cool. We've been doing it for like the last three, three and a half years. Well, Simon and Aaron have been doing it for twice as long. It's one of the cool things is that Simon has been using the Tortuga backpack for as long as I have. He's been going all over the world, loves it as well, highly recommends it. So if you guys are looking for the best travel backpack, one that is recommended by digital nomads from all over the world, go check out tortugabackpacks.com. Use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters, because that will get you 10% off your entire order. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is someone who is a kindred spirit. She loves packing and just to carry on, loves counting her travel expenses down to the penny, and someone who, and you don't know this, Erin, was a huge inspiration for me taking my first backpacking trip to Thailand. Erin <laughs> McNini, author of Carry On Traveler, co-creator of the Trail Wallet app and one half of the duo behind NeverEndingVoyage.com. So Erin, thanks for joining me today and welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, you don't know, but those pictures that you took at the um, at the White Temple and the Black Temple that you put up, uh, yes. I mean, this was <laughs> like, I took the trip in December of 2012, January of 2013. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we must have been there at the end of end of 2011. We were there. Yeah, for that, and that, for that trip, we've been back many times. But <laughs> right, and I found your site, and I just thought I've got to get to these places. And I still haven't been to either the Black or White Temple, but I did go to Thailand and been back about <laughs> seven times since. So. Um, you uh, guys, you and Simon, back again. <laughs> yeah, you and Simon really helped me as I was getting prepared to travel just through the site and the tips and and writing openly about what it was like, you know, especially for someone who hadn't been there and was like, I, you know, it sounds cool, but I don't know really the on the ground story. Um, it was instrumental. So thank you so much for that. We've got a lot of ground to cover today. We're, 
We're going to be talking about packing light. We're going to geek out on travel expenses, revealing some of like the true costs of travel. Um, we're going to talk about how you guys build an app, how and why you build an app. Of course, I'm going to get you to reveal some, you know, maybe embarrassing travel stories. Um, but first, I want you to take us way back before all the craziness of, of being a digital nomad, writing books, starting blogs, building apps, all that. What was it when you were growing up that led you to this life of travel? Was it were you tr- a traveler as a kid? Did you travel with your parents? Or was it something that came later to you where you said, all right, this is the type of life that I want to lead? Um, I have always been interested in travel. Like my parents would take us on holiday like every year. Like when you're, when, when you're from the UK, if you can get out of the country once a year, then you do just to find better weather. So, but it would mostly in those days, you know, it was before budget airlines. So it would be mostly package holidays, but we would go to places a bit more interesting than just Spain. So we would go, we've been, been to like Turkey and Tunisia and places like that, that were a bit more interesting. So I think that definitely was what got me interested in travel, even if it wasn't particularly too much exploration in that. Um, although we did do a road trip around Florida and things like that, which were a little bit more like less just stuck in a resort. So that definitely was an influence. Um, and I just, I was always fascinated by places writing school projects about Fiji and Iceland when I was a kid and just like these crazy in-depth projects. Cause I just, I was fascinated. I remember when I was like, 15 or so I'd read like how to work your way around the world like in the library just like for fun <laughs> like so like like yeah so that's it, it was never like a massive step for me I knew like travel was always on the radar um and I did an Italian exchange when I was 17 so that was the first time I guess I went away by myself although it was with a school group um and that was amazing that got me started on my love for Italy and then our first Simon and I have been together since we were 18 and so our first trip together was when we were 19 it was at um, holidays after my first year at university and we got an interrail pass and spent um, a month taking a train trip around around Europe like crazy fast as everyone does for their first trip like 10 countries in 30 days and yeah so that was the first the first kind of backpacking trip and it all started from there like yeah that just just went from there yeah multiple trips after that i love that your library actually had a book about how to travel your way around the world that's pretty neat that'd be cool to track down that book and find it and hold up and be like this is one of the first digital nomads right because i i certainly didn't even know that that was any type of option at 15 you know it was like well you travel but you don't travel and work like it you know it's a vacation and that was all it seemed to me so yeah in the UK I think it's a bit different like because we take gap years like doing what we're doing like been traveling for six and a half years now that's not normal but to take a year (laughs) take a year out like before university or after university or like a career break you know a lot of my friends have done that and it's it's pretty accepted you know um so yeah there were books like that like how to go and like work picking grapes and getting a working holiday visa in Australia and helping out in hostels and like all of these ideas. So yeah, I was like always fascinated by doing stuff like that. Yeah. And what's amazing now is 
the fact that I, I was going to say, oh, my goal is to write a book and then have it in a library for a kid in America growing up to read. But you don't really have to do that with the Internet because now they can just read our blog. So there you yeah, go. We are exactly. creating that, you for, are doing that. Yeah, exactly. for future generations. <laughs> um, yeah, and absolutely. I, I, it is. It's so interesting to me and it continues to be interesting to me, even though it's changing a little bit, the the dynamic of, of what younger people look for growing up in the UK or Australia, you know, uh, cultures that take these gap years and where travels, I don't want to say more accepted. It's just, it's done more. I think that people in America accept it. It just isn't really even in their mind. And luckily for, for us, that is changing, but it, yeah, certainly I didn't know anyone from my school or that I grew up with that took a gap year. One kid went away to, one of my best friends went away to Canada for university. I remember thinking like, that's on the other side of the world. You're going to, to UBC for for college? Like, this is crazy. And then, you know, I traveled through Europe a little bit and I was meeting 18, 19, 20-year-olds who were going around the world. And I thought, this is just a different mindset. A, a, in my mind, a better mindset. And thankfully, that's you guys are taking hold on the American psyche a little bit with that. So, <laughs> so thank you for that. I want to talk about the, the decision because like you said, all right, gap year, normal, but traveling six and a half years, no home, not so normal, still not normal, probably anywhere in the world, um, but it's okay. We're a little abnormal, but what's the decision? what was the decision to become digital nomads like? Like, what what did that boil down to? How long did it take you to do? And why ultimately did you did you decide to do it? Well, in like I said, like we since that first backpacking trip, it was like travel was always going to be part of our life. So we we did various trips. Uh, after university, I went and spent three months volunteering in Sri Lanka, um, and and then we just we did short short trips because uh, after I got back, then I had a job and things like that. But it would, I'd always had on my radar that I wanted to spend a year traveling around the world. Um, so as soon as Simon finished university, cause his course took longer than mine, um, we started saving up for a year around the world. So that took us two years to save for. Um, and then in 2008, that's what we did. We spent a year traveling around the world to Asia, um, the South Pacific, Australia and the U S. Um, and it was just like an incredible year. Like we just, um, we did so many things we'd never done before, like totally, you know, opened our minds to all the different cultures and just every day was different. Um, we were, we never saw the winter really. It was like warm all the time. A perfect year for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We were like outdoors all the time. And, and then we got back to England in, in Manchester, which is where we, we had a house that we'd rented out during our year away. And I had my job to go back to. They'd given me a, like a year sabbatical. Um, and we got back in November and it was dark and you it was saw the winter cold. <laughs> it was it was just it was miserable like actually the first thing we did like because I had a little while before I had to go back to my job was book a flight to Spain and <laughs> we just went away for an extra week <laughs> um but yeah it was really really tough adjusting um to being back in England and just back to kind of being inside and especially when we went back to work being in an office and I had I had a really amazing job but like it was still office based so just being like nine to five like having to be in one place at that time like it just made no sense to me like it just I found it really restrictive um and so it was and going back to doing the same thing that I'd done before also it just it felt like going backwards and um yeah so that was a real struggle to to 
settle back into life in the UK. And I think maybe we'd been back maybe five or six months. Um, and I was still, we were all planning to do another trip, like in a couple of years time, like to South America, I think we wanted to go to. Um, and I, so I was, I was keeping my eye on the travel world. Like I think I was, I was browsing the Lonely Planet website and I saw a blog that had won an award um, for, well, I don't know what it was, but they were digital nomad family who had, and that was the first time I'd come across the term digital nomads. And that like just opened my eyes to the fact that, and that then I, from there I found lots of other blogs that these people who were able to work from anywhere um, were traveling in the world. And I just kind of a light bulb went off and I was like, oh my God, we could do that. Like we totally could do that, you know? Um, especially as at that time, Simon, when he got back from the trip, he was teaching himself, um, to do web design and development because he'd always kind of done that sort of stuff for fun. And I was like, you might as well get a job doing it. So he was kind of working on that at the time. And obviously that's, you know, one of the most obvious jobs that you can do as a digital nomad. So yeah, so it just kind of were like, why not? And let, let's make this happen. And it felt like, and then we had like nine months where we were just super focused on making this happen. So we cut down our spending completely. Like we were good at that anyway, because we saved for the first trip. So we just saved up a ton of money because we knew, you know, while we got the business running, we'd need, we'd need money to keep us going. So we saved up enough to keep us going for a year. Um, we sold like almost everything we owned. Like it was, we had a three bedroom house. Like it was, you know, full of stuff. Right, um, of course, typical, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that was like a really slow, difficult process, but liberating. Um, got rid of all of that um, and just taught ourselves the skills we needed. Like kind of learned about internet marketing. I, I didn't start the blog at that point, but I was kind of learning about blogging. Um, Simon was learning his web development skills and I think he did like some projects for his family or something like that just to so it was like really like laying the groundwork but hadn't actually officially started the the business until we left because we still had jobs um so yeah so they were just super focused and made it happen and then set off with a one-way flight to Rio and yes, basically started the business as soon as we left, which isn't the ideal scenario, but, um, <laughs> hey, the ideal scenario <laughs> is the one that gets you to actually do it. Right. So if anyone's looking yeah. for a kick in the butt, take around the world trip and then come back in November. If you live somewhere <laughs> in the Northern hemisphere and then you'll say, this sucks. I yeah. want to go somewhere else. Yeah. I think the fact that we'd done that trip made this step not so big. Cause a lot of people talk about how brave we are to do it. And we're like, it didn't seem that big a deal to us because we'd already done that. We already knew we could live out of a backpack. We already knew how much we loved to travel. We knew, knew that the world wasn't a scary place. And we also knew that like, you can always come back. Like if you go and you decide you don't like it, it's not for you. Like or it doesn't work out. You run out of money. You can go back. Like it's, it's going to be fine. So we, it, we never, it didn't feel like, I mean, there must've been moments when we were worried, but I don't really remember it as being a particularly like scary time. Like, well, and I love the attitude that you had when, you, when you're telling a story, when you said you came back and you were working, you didn't like, and then you said, well, why not? And it is, you know, it really does just boil down to that. Like, why not? And if there is a reason that is big enough, I mean, you know, health reasons, there are certainly things that could be big enough that someone couldn't do it now or wouldn't do it now. But typically, if you ask yourself, why not? And you start listing out the reasons, it's stuff like 
money or uh, I'm afraid of, of this country or, or I don't know. Or like everyone's why not is usually like the logic, like the steps and the planning. Well, what if this, what if that happens? And, you know, I think you're right by saying that, I mean, not everyone's going to follow a template of, of traveling for a year and taking their job off and then coming back and then being digital nomads. Some people jump right into it. And to them, I give like, big kudos. But it is what if you kind of do little by little, you start seeing like, okay, this isn't a major step. It's still a big life change, but it isn't this major step. It's why don't we try it? And if it doesn't work, well, we come back to Manchester, we come back to Philly, we come back to wherever we're from. And you just start doing the same thing. But usually when you get out there, from what we've seen, I think from digital nomads and people we hang out with, you you figure it out because you want to keep doing it, and and you realize that the skills you've already built up, you have many more skills than you thought you probably had as well, and you realize that there's a lot more ways to make money than you probably thought as well. Um, yeah, so I think when you take the step to do something major like going traveling, it opens your eyes to possibilities that you would never know existed before you did it. Like you just like we never plan to make apps or write books or anything when we first started and our income stream has like totally changed from the first year when we were traveling like and you just you just don't know like we we know a lot of uh, digital nomads who have kind of settled down now and have got a home base but none of them have the same lives as they had before you know they they mostly are location independent have a lot more freedom than they had before so although they're not on the exact same path that they set out to do like their lives have have changed and they've been open to, to new possibilities. And I think that's the important thing is just to make a big change, make a step and and who knows where it will lead. Yeah. And I can speak to that. I mean, you know, we were basically nomadic, uh, like you guys have been for three years and we just decided, okay, we, we, we want to have home base. More Heather deciding it than me, but now I credit her because it was a great decision. But it, the, the term and, and one of the things we try to teach people with location independence is not that it means you have to be in some far-flung part of the world or you have to constantly be traveling. It just means that if you want to, you could pick up your laptop, hop on a plane today and go do that. Or you could be sitting at home or you could be sitting at the coffee shop or at the park or whatever it is that you want to do. I mean, that's that's the real joy is that it's the freedom to make your own choice and not someone else telling you what it is you should be doing. Yeah, Absolutely. Now let's let's talk a little bit about the expenses and and a typical month for you guys for expenses and also for income because you mentioned that you know you have different income streams than you ever thought you would have you didn't think you'd have an app and you build an app just for people to be able to track their expenses which is awesome so what does that look like for you if you don't mind sharing like as specific as you want to get for what a typical month might look like and what it kind of looks like, not only on the expense side, but also on the income side, how do you make money to be able to sustain a digital nomad life? Um, Well, for the expenses, that's changed a lot over the years. So um, I do write budget reports on each year that we've been traveling as well as for specific destinations. So you can find that on the blog. Um, So I do actually have records of everything. So like from the first year, when we were in South America, um, we spent about £19,000, so I guess maybe like $30,000, something like that in the first year. So that was around £1,600 per month. 
Um, and that's kind of increased over the years as our kind of comfort levels have gone up and because we've earned more so we can we can spend more and we spend time also in, in more expensive countries like we tend to spend maybe like about five months of the year in Europe and the US which is obviously more expensive and the rest of the year in usually Asia or Latin America so it kind of balances out a bit but like we definitely are spending more now so in our, our last year's budget we averaged at like 2,200 pounds a month. So um, what's that in dollars? Yeah, like so, $3,000-ish, like, right? Yeah, yeah, around that. Yeah, the exchange rate is terrible for us right now. So yeah, it's like <laughs> around $3,000. Um, but yeah, yeah, so that's that's what we kind of earn. Um, so for the first year, we had savings to keep us going, but we did, we did earn money as well, not quite enough to, to fund the, all of our travels. Um, and then from year two, we started to break even and for a, a long time, really, we were just breaking even, um, which was, which was fine. Like, because we've come to realize that we're just not motivated by making money. Like we kind of tried and we'd set like these income goals, like, cause that's what other digital nomads were doing. We're like, we should earn this amount of money. And then we just didn't because we did absolutely nothing towards <laughs> making that money. Like, and what we've, and we've come to accept that now we're like every we make work-wise is about what we want to be doing and what we want our lives to look like and not about how much money it can make us so we you know we turn down opportunities to make money because we I mean we value freedom so Simon gave up client work because he didn't really like having the deadlines and it's really like lots of little um so it's we you know we make decisions like that uh, we also don't want to have to kind of have yeah as well as deadlines we don't want to have to kind of have to make you know client calls or like be in certain places at certain times and have good internet like we want to be just if we want to just go offline for a month and everything just run itself so we've made a lot of decisions um based on how we want our lifestyle to look rather than how much money it can earn us Uh, but then in the last year or two then we have managed finally to be able to make more than we're we're spending um, so we're able to to save up, um, which is nice. Um, so yeah, that's it's taken taken like five years to get there, but <laughs> finally, yeah. So we feel like we're we're in we feel happy about the decision we made. Prioritize our lifestyle rather than money um, because it seems to be working out. Yeah, that's uh, a like, yeah pretty great place to be where you're saying, well, I, we're not going to do stuff just to make money, but then you happen to be making more money than you spend. I mean, that's like now you're in the the best spot possible. And I think that's a really important lesson. And I think it's only one that can kind of come from going and, and doing it because in the beginning, and, and we've all been there, I've been there. And you, like you said, you guys were doing client work and stuff. In the beginning, you're doing anything possible to be a digital nomad to be location independent to have your own freedom and sometimes that means having to do things like client work and take on work that you that you don't love or that you know you don't see as a long-term goal or anything like that and i've I, i've told a lot of people that hey it's not always going to be this amazing thing where yes you're on the beach in thailand and you're doing the absolute thing you love like saving puppies online you know like there's gonna be times where you're sitting there and saying like all right i don't like doing this but it's worth it because the means is worth it in the end but it's neat then when you get to a point that you can then say okay well now I can pick and choose. I can be more selective and I can decide whether I want to prioritize making more money or whether I want to prioritize like the total freedom and things like that. And 
again, when you're able to make the decision on your own terms, that no matter which decision you're making, when you get to make it, that's where the beauty lies in, in this type of lifestyle. We, we totally agree. Is, is there anything for you that, because you're talking about your expenses, and if you're talking about your expenses, is there stuff that you do that cuts down dramatically on your expenses that someone might not be aware of, someone who might be new to the lifestyle, or even if someone who's been traveling or being location independent for a while, they're thinking, man, $3,000 a month for a couple, like that's, that's pretty good. They obviously, they're not spending a ton of money. Is there stuff that you do to, to kind of keep that spending in check? Um, these days I don't feel like we are, we're definitely not super budget travelers. Um, we, you know, we, we, uh, yeah, we stay in nice places. We go out for nice meals, but I think naturally just the way our interests work, the fact that we like to go to places that are cheaper. So for example, right now we, um, we just finished a month, uh, traveling by train around Europe. So it was pretty fast place. Um, and we spent a lot of money, like, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, I think our daily budget was turned out to be like 113 pounds or something. So maybe like $150, something like that a day. So there was like a, a lot, a lot more, um, than we usually spend, but we're now making up for it by we're house sitting in a little village, um, in Andalusia in Spain. So we obviously don't have any accommodation expenses. We um, there's nothing to spend our money on here <laughs> except for vegetables in the market. Like, so we will naturally like hardly spend any this month. So it will average out from the last month, which would be more expensive. And the same way that like, if we spend the summer in Europe and then we'll go to Bali or Thailand or Mexico in the winter, and you just even having a really good lifestyle there, you know, we don't spend that much money. I think slow travel is definitely a way that you can, it, curb your expenses like when we were spending you know moving around every few days like staying in hotels we did stay in airbnbs as well but like you don't have good rates for shorter term so if you like airbnbs especially you'll get much better rates for a month and in some parts of the world if you want to stay there for a couple of months you can get really good deals on rentals just finding somewhere locally and negotiating a, a long-term rate so in we were in bali for five months last month uh, last last winter sorry and, you know, we had an amazing house with, like, views of rice fields and the jungle and swimming pool and, like, two beautiful bedrooms and, like, an outdoor kitchen. And it was just stunning. And that was about $800 a month. And although you can get way cheaper places in Bali, we were, like, we like we work at home, so we want a nice space. And, yeah, we're, like, there's a good deal. Where else in the world can you get that? So, yeah, so just staying somewhere longer rather than staying in hotels can really, really save money. Um, and mixing up the cheaper destinations with, with more expensive ones helps kind of balance everything out in the end. Yeah, definitely two of the biggest biggest pieces of advice that, that someone could get is, yeah, mix it up or even just live somewhere a lot cheaper in the beginning, like when people are starting out. I'm like, well, don't go to Paris. I mean, yeah, I know you might want to see it, but you're gonna you're gonna run out of money in four days. So, um, yeah, you know, exactly. something like that. And and then yeah. the slow travel for sure is just it's it's not only in my mind better over if you're doing it as a long term strategy because just like you, we bounced around pretty quick over the last couple months, and it was it was fun. It was kind of like a throwback to to three four years ago, but 
it was tiring and we didn't get anything done when it came to work. So as a long-term strategy, mixing in that, that slow, long periods in one place with maybe a little bit of fast travel is, I, I think, ideal. Is there... A, is there something that you or Simon or both of you have like a big travel splurge? Like, you know, because we're talking about, all right, you, you know, you don't cut corners too much now. You're not super budget. But is there something that you think, all right, if, if, if I'm here, like I'm always going to spend money on this. Like I'm definitely, this is something I want to splurge on, whether it's a, a certain place you like going or something you like eating or something you like to buy at each place. Is there something that, that you have that's like that or not really? Um, food. <laughs> okay. We, we'll always be prepared to like spend money on food, especially we, especially Italy. Italy is our like, we're vegetarians, so we can't always enjoy the local food in every country. Like some places um, are more difficult than others, but in Italy, we, it's fantastic for vegetarians. We can go to any restaurant and get a delicious meal. And so we will happily, um, you know, we, you know, we were there uh, for three weeks um, last month, and we were, yeah, eating out every night. Um, you know, three or four courses with wine, and like, yeah, we will we'll spend w- w- whatever it costs. Really, if it's good, we'll, we'll spend it. I mean, luckily, Italy, it's not, it's not ridiculous, ridiculous prices, and like some of the best food is in like family-run restaurants where it's really reasonably priced anyway. But yeah, we'll also as vegetarians, like if there's like a gourmet vegetarian restaurant somewhere. Um, then we will totally um, pay for that. You know, we were, we are, yeah, happy to spend money on food. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the same way. I, I, I can stay at places that aren't so nice. Like I don't mind if you know. I'll just kind of Heather makes fun of me. She says you'll basically sleep anywhere, which is true. Although as as I get older and have a little more options, I'm less inclined to sleep in the flop houses in in <laughs> Myanmar, but. <laughs> when it comes to food, yeah, I'll spend like I'll save on accommodations to spend on food for sure because it just gives me a lot more joy. So I'm with you with that. We'll have to we'll have to go out to a nice meal when we run into <laughs> each other on the yes. road. <laughs> and you, you talked about some of the ways you've made money on the road. You know, you have the blog. Um, you guys used to do client work, things like that. And one of the most interesting parts of your business and, and just the the lifestyle that you've built is the fact that you build an app. And and I, I remember reaching out to you a long time, like when the app first came out and, and you guys were really nice, gave me some feedback because I was like, oh, I want to build an app. And then that fell by the wayside when I learned how hard it was. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so talk about the, the process of building an app because I think it's one of those things that so many people look at and they say, oh, that'd be so neat. I have this idea. And then it doesn't come to fruition for whatever reason. What was it like to build this app? How long did it take? Give us the, the details because it's it's really neat that you have been able to build it and now it lives there and can make you money. And it's just, you know, it's kind of this cool revenue stream and a cool thing for travelers. I mean, it serves a really good purpose as well. Yeah, it was, well, Simon uh, was started off when we were traveling doing um, web development and design. So he kind of had some technical skills, but he was inspired to, he'd always had an idea he'd like to make apps. And then we met another travel couple who made apps and that like totally spurred him on to kind of stop what he was doing right then and, and start learning how to make apps for himself. So he did lots of courses like there's like um, iTunes University, I think had like free courses and, you know, there's all, all kinds of resources online. So he just spent like, he must have spent six months or so like 
learning um but also putting it into practice by doing a little kind of uh, test app that did go into the app store but we never really expected to make much money it was really kind of like learning by by doing um and then started on trail wallet um once he had all the basics down um and that did i think he must have been working that on that maybe like six to nine months or something before we released it um it was it was a lot of work um and he wasn't ready to release it but we kind of kind of forced him to put it out because <laughs> it, it's really best to just you know you could work on something for ages to make yes. it perfect it's best get it out there and get feedback from users and then improve it like see what people want and then improve it as you go along so that's what we did so it was released like four, nearly four years ago this christmas um which is kind of crazy um and it simon had all of these expectations for how much he'd earned in the first month and it did not earn anywhere close to that like i think maybe it was a hundred pounds or so like it i mean it, it sold because you know we had an audience through the blog and there were people people wanted this this kind of app um but yeah it wasn't huge amounts of money um so over the last four years he just carried on working on it just carried on improving listening to users adding new features and for years we were really like i, d- I don't know if we can carry on with this like it, it wasn't it just wasn't it, worth the time it just right? wasn't worth the time he was spending so much time like he wasn't earning his freelance income anymore so we were pretty much just um relying on our blog income um so you know our income kind of went down and it was yeah it was a crazy amount of work and it was like but we, I don't know, we didn't want to give up on it. Like there were so many people who loved it and it was growing. And so we just kept on going with it. But I think a lot of people would have given up at that stage, but we kept on going. And finally, like four years later, like it's earning a decent amount of money and it's not, I mean, there's always stuff he could do to it, but he doesn't have to do anything to it now other than, you know, bug fixes and when iOS changes and things like that. But it's not a huge amount of work. He can go off and do other things and still have that passive income coming in. So it's, it's uh, yeah, it does provide passive income. It just might take like four years to get there. <laughs> <laughs> four years and like hundreds yeah. and thousands of hours um, to create yeah. passive yeah. income. Yeah. Was there kind of a breaking point with that where it, where it really started to make some income? Or was it just really slowly over four years? Like, was there anything like, oh, it got featured on this and then boom you know it was like all of a sudden everyone's downloading it or no is it just just no, a slog no like it, it can be it's amazing you can be featured on the app store you can be featured in like new york times like it doesn't make that much <laughs> of a difference like you'll see a little bit of a boost in downloads um but it, it it was you know it wasn't like that that it suddenly then that made it successful it's been featured in a lot of places and i think obviously that's helped over time like from the tiniest travel blogs to to bigger websites um so i think that that has helped but i think the main thing has just been word of mouth like especially with travelers you know budget travelers they're staying in hostels meeting other travelers and they we have some, you know, people who love the app so much that they tell everyone that they meet about it. So I think it's just been a slow, gradual, gradual growth um, over the years. Um, yeah, yeah, and not not to burst anyone's bubble, but that's usually how it is when you're doing either a blog or a podcast or an app. I mean, different different mediums, but similar stories. And, and you know, you do have those wins where something happens and it boosts and, and then you don't go back to the level it was before. Like you're, you're kind of on a higher plateau. But... Um, 
for most people in a lot of the stuff they do, it isn't this like little hockey stick curve, like all of a sudden you take off. It's, it's like steps, 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 steps. And, um, yeah, but I think that's what's so amazing is, you know, we, we look back at the stuff we've done, you know, and you said, oh, four years ago it was released and like, all right, we started the podcast four years ago or three and a half years ago. And you think, oh, it's been so long. And then you actually sit down and think four years, you know, I could have been in a regular job and four years would have passed like that. And I wouldn't have even, you know, maybe done anything different. Um, so it is, it's, it's interesting because it's all relative, uh, the, the whole time thing. And, you know, now four years later, you have an app that, that people love. And I think, as you said, that's the most important, like the great, great for passive income, like that's, that's great. But it is the idea that there's people out there who are telling others right now about your app in hostels and guest houses and, uh, and it's helping people. And that's, what's neat about creating something like that, that just lives on its own now. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I think that's what kept us going for so long was just that, the, you know, we had such great feedback from people and they loved it. And also we use it ourselves. We use it like, you know, every single day ourselves. And so we like, we wanted to add this new feature because that's what we wanted. Right. So. You couldn't kill it because then you'd need <laughs> yeah. to find someone else's app to use, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> sometimes that's the, that's the best way to keep things going is, is using it yourself and saying, all right, well, even if I'm the only one using it or, you know, a few of us are using it, we like it. So we'll keep doing it. Um, so yeah, if you guys are, are listening and you want an awesome app to help you figure out your expenses and budgeting and, and when you travel and all, uh, trail wallet, which you can get on the um, Apple Store. I don't know. Is it on Android as well? Or is it just? It's, it's not. No, just okay. just iTunes. So there you guys go. Another reason to get an iPhone. Um, <laughs> talking about um, packing, uh, which kind of leads us into that, and and I want to talk with you, especially because it's. You know, people always ask Heather and I, all right, is it really possible to pack in a carry-on? And we say yes. Heather begrudgingly sometimes says yes, but it is possible. And you and Simon have been doing it for ever since you became Digital Nomads as well. And obviously, I have some tech equipment and, and you're working from the road too. So it's not just clothes and, and all that. Has there ever been a time, I guess it's kind of a twofold question, has there ever been a time where you thought, all right, I can't do this anymore and just to carry-on, I'm going like we're going to actually start bringing stuff that's bigger than a care on. Has that ever crossed your mind or has it gotten easier the more you've traveled? Um, I can't imagine not traveling carry on only. Like I don't really know what I would put in my bag. Like I just, it's so normal now that I really, yeah, can't imagine traveling any other way. Um, the only thing we said was that Simon was like had a vague idea that he wanted to get into virtual reality stuff, and then he'd need a, like he already has a lot of tech gear, but he would need like a lot more tech gear, like maybe in that eventuality. But it's not really something that's actually likely to happen anytime soon. So, yeah, no, we we are totally happy with carry on, and yeah, and we we travel with so much technology that if we can do it, then people who are just going on a normal trip like easy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would agree. I mean, I'm bringing microphones and a recorder and I might be upgrading to a MacBook Pro from a MacBook Air, which I'm actually the one reason I'm hesitant is like, you know, that extra six ounces in my backpack. Yeah, but it does make it heavier. It Simon does. has one, but it's 15 inch as well. Like it does. It is, it is a lot heavier than my Mac Air, but you know, it's still doable. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And and it is funny when you it's on your back all the time. You, you're, you're thinking about there. Are there any items that you found to be essential for packing light like either items that you say okay this is one of the items that you basically can't bring like like you've 
you know, you see people packing and they have the huge packs and you look in their packing like, all right, take this, 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 this out. Like, is there stuff that people should strike from their packing list or is there items that they should add in that you think, hey, this is like a multi-purpose thing that's kind of like really versatile and really helps your packing like because I use it as as obviously multiple things. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of what not to pack, um, most people pack too many clothes. So I think what, however long your trip is, um, it could be two weeks or it could be a year around the world, is don't pack more than a week's worth of clothes. And then just do laundry. And it's, it's really not that <laughs> difficult. Like, especially in Southeast Asia, Latin America, like, you can really cheap laundry places where you just, you know, pay a few dollars and it will come back all nicely, neatly folded. And yeah, so it's, that's, that's super easy to do. Or you can, you know, hand wash clothes in a sink or find a laundrette, or we often get Airbnbs now that have washing machines. So that's like super easy. So that's one way to really cut out a lot of stuff. Um, is to just pack less clothes um, and make sure that all the clothes that you pack, um, you can mix and match them. So all the tops go with all the bottoms so that you can create different outfits from certain items. You know, you can add accessories to make things more interesting if you want. Um, but yeah, don't just don't pack any anything that doesn't go together. Um, and also just don't pack things just in case. So <laughs> right, if, right. If you, think that you might go hiking so you pack some hiking boots like just just don't take some like you know trainers running shoes that can work for multiple purposes um you know don't take an umbrella just buy one locally if you really need to you know don't pack a sleeping bag really most people don't need need them unless you know they're going to be camping or whatever just like think about like what it is every every kind of analyze every item in your bag and like what am I using this for like how often am I really going to need it and if you're just packing it for like a just-in-case scenario then get rid of it and you can always buy it locally if you really really need to but most of the time that you won't want to so I think that helps um the other thing is get rid of books pack an e-reader instead it like it's life-changing <laughs> like the first year uh, we were traveling I I did I had to carry about five books at a time because they were so hard to find in South America, good English books. And I, I read a lot. So yeah, getting a, a Kindle was, you know, you can fit thousands of books onto one device. So that's really essential. Yeah, see, that's that's why I brought Aaron on, guys. Just so everything that I've been telling you, you could hear from someone who you might think is smarter than me. Um, and you could just hear it again. I I would say, too, one of the, the neat things that you brought up was the idea with the books. And what I do, obviously, Kindle makes it super easy or iPad or whatever you're using. Um, if you want to bring a book and if you're someone who's like a book nerd and you just like, all right, I like holding a physical book, I tend to do it... Every once in a while, I'll bring one. And then you can almost always, I mean, depending where you're going, but I found book exchanges or like English books kind of almost anywhere. And we're talking from the middle of Myanmar and in hostels and stuff like that. You know, then I love the idea of exchanging it. Like I'll read it. I'll usually put my name and date in it. And I'll like, I even write on the front cover or the, you know, the inside of the cover, like, hey, write your name and date and where you're from. Cause it'd be cool if someday I see a book of mine, like, in some random place and 18 other people have read it, but there is, you can bring a book with you, but yeah, don't bring, I certainly wouldn't bring more than one or two if you're a masochist, you know, but yeah. 
Absolutely. Like, uh, like if it's really important to you, like, like if you've tried an e-reader and you really just don't like it as much and you really want a book, then, then take it. Like there's room, like in my book, I write about how you can take a luxury item. Like we have a friend who travels carry on only. He also has the Tortuga backpack that you and Simon have. Um, he travels with a full size feather pillow. <laughs> I like, I, I, I'm amazed about how he fits in there. He uses uh, compression bags, which is one of my tips that okay. you can, you can roll, roll them up and it sucks out all of the excess air. But yeah, like if he can travel with a pillow, like I have my camera, Simon has his 15 inch MacBook Pro and his um, iPad Pro, which is bigger than my laptop. Like, you know, like you can have your luxury item. It's just not everything you know like you have to cut down on certain areas so that you can take the things that are really important to you but it's just kind of being conscious about it like deciding what what do I really need what do I really want to take take with me yeah and if you're doing multiple trips like if, if you take one trip and you come home what I like to do is is go through my pack. This is usually like five days after I come home because I don't unpack right away because uh, I'm too lazy. But you open your pack and I look through and I think, okay, did I use this? And uh, like each item, like did I use this and how often? And then remember that for next time. Like there was this shirt that I kept bringing around on like a few trips. It was, yeah, I thought it was perfect. It was like a long sleeve shirt, but it wasn't too heavy, wasn't too light. And I just, for whatever reason, never wore it. And I was going to pack it again this last trip. And I thought, man, you, you've taken this to probably like seven, eight, ten countries and you've never <laughs> used it, why are you putting it in again? And it didn't make yeah. the cut. So yeah. you can do that yeah. if, you, if you're going on multiple trips as well. Um, Absolutely. And, and even if you're traveling long term, like we regularly assess what's in our bags and like if there's stuff we're not using, then, then we get rid of it. Um, yeah, definitely. And that's, that's one of the pieces of advice in my book is to create a physical packing as well on your laptop or on paper or whatever. Just write down everything that's in your bag. And then, then you can look at that when you get back and, and mark mark off for what things that you you didn't actually use. So it makes it really easy for next time uh, to remember what what you did and and didn't need. Yeah, for sure. Couple last questions that I want to get um, really deep, not deep into travel, but the fun travel questions here. Are there a few places that you've been that are some of your favorite? And when people say they don't want to answer this, I make them answer it anyway, because everyone has favorites, I, I, you know, and I know you even wrote a post recently, I think it was recent, I just found it recently, of your top 10 neighborhoods, which I loved because I love talking about neighborhoods versus just whole cities, you know, because, um, so I love the idea of neighborhoods. So are there a few places that you've been that you think, all right, this is a place we're always going to come back to, or even if you haven't been back, you just really loved, it's one of your top places. Mm-hmm. I think... I think the problem, the reason why it's hard to ask the favorite question is it's like you don't want to choose just one. <laughs> There's too many. <laughs> All right. Well, give, yeah. give me as many as you want because I always cheat when we do top 10 lists. I give like 15 things. So you can tell <laughs> yeah. me as many as you want. Yes. Um, I think one of the things I realized when we were just in Italy um, last month, and it was my 12th trip there. And for some reason, I never say that Italy is my favorite country when it really pretty blatantly is. Like, you know, I've been there more than anywhere else. I like absolutely love it. I love the food. I like every time we go, we manage to find like kind of a town or a place that's like off the beaten track. No one else has heard of, but it's absolutely stunning. And I'm like, how, how do people not know about this? Um, and yeah, so I, it's beautiful. I love the hill towns, the scenery, the lifestyle, the people. Um, yeah, so definitely, I, I think I think I might be um, hesitant to um, 
we call that my favorite because it's it's so close to England it feels a bit bit boring um <laughs> but yeah that's so that's definitely up there um but we also go back to Thailand a lot we really love um Chiang Mai in the north that's just a great place to to live really to spend a few months um and it's, it's a nice mix of kind of interesting culture there's lots of temples there's always monks wandering around and great street food but also kind of some western comforts um like a nice cinema and stuff like that if, if you want if you want to and it's like two dollars to go see like a surround sound yes. imax movie yes. so that always helps <laughs> yes we are so spoiled by like cinemas <laughs> in asia it's so comfortable and, and so cheap we went in paris recently and it was less comfortable and it's like 10 times more expensive <laughs> right it was the cost of like five nights in a hotel room in thailand yeah. right yeah um, so there, and one like particular place that I like to, we like to now, which I think is my favorite, like what I call a digital nomad destination in terms of somewhere just to spend a few months and live and work is Abud in Bali. Like we, we visited on our round the world trip, like for a short, for a short stay and we like we liked it. Um, but when we went back for five months last winter, we like really fell in love with it. Um, and I definitely want to go back hopefully next year. Um, it's just it's a really great place to live. Um, it's very vegetarian friendly, um, very easy to find healthy food, which is nice uh, when you're traveling and you can kind of become a bit unhealthy at times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, fascinating culture. Like the, it's a Hindu island in a Muslim country, but they people are so spiritual there like they light little offerings and put them on the street like every single well I think multiple times a day actually so you'll always see these little offerings everywhere which are just beautiful like made with um banana leaves and flowers and things like that um there'll be processions and ceremonies like all the time like every week um and there's the beautiful rice field scenery um and like some amazing restaurants from everything from really cheap like local food to like gourmet multiple course tasting menus like for really good value i know it's you, just, oh yeah, man it's crazy like we we really really loved it oh and lots of yoga as well i i got into yoga since we've been traveling as well um and that's like a yoga mecca really it yeah it's it is cafes <laughs> yogas cheap food good food um i gotta stop you because now i just want to hop on a plane and get over to southeast asia because we haven't been for about a year and a half, and it's like, wait, what am I doing here? Winter is coming to Philadelphia. What am I doing? Yeah, um, <laughs> well, those are three very good picks. We'll hold you. We'll hold you to it. Now it's now on the record that Italy is your favorite country. So now, when someone else asks you the question, you can just say, "Well, I already said Italy, so Italy." Um, last question that I have for you, and one that that's fan favorite here, is about a travel mishap. Is there any one travel mishap that sticks out in your mind as something that really just in hindsight is probably funny but maybe wasn't too funny when it was happening um to you um i generally pride myself on being like super organized and like we're never late for flights or things like that we just you know generally we don't have many mishaps whatsoever um which kind of made it all the worse um when we did miss a flight once um where we were flying from Singapore to Turkey and I just, I'd been a bit confused um, 
by the time zones and things like even still after all these years of traveling time zones still confuse me um and i i remember like being a bit confused booking the hotel in istanbul like what day we were arriving versus and i'm like thinking that it seemed strange um but later on it found found out that was because we our flight was actually booked for 1 a.m which means we had to get to the airport at 11 p.m but I was thinking it was 11 p.m. on the day, you know, the date of the flight. Right. It just hadn't really <laughs> clicked in my head that we needed to be at the airport the day before the actual flight was leaving. Um, and so I just completely, you know, were oblivious. So we went to bed when we were supposed to be on the flight, basically. And I woke up, I think I woke up in the early hour of the morning. And suddenly it just clicked in my head what the mistake I'd made I'm like oh my god we've just missed the flight um so yeah that was that was a horrible feeling to have by hours and hours like have missed the flight um so I, I called up the airline and luckily um they were quite helpful and were able we were able to rebook on the next day's flight although it did cost us I think a couple of hundred pounds each so it was it it was it was a significant hit but like but doable at least we didn't have to buy completely new flights which is what I expected to have to do um and I had to go into town and like buy you know buy them in person from their office did you have um, to go to the Singapore Airlines office or was it a different airline it, it wasn't with Singapore Airlines I think okay. it was Emirates we were flying with but yeah I did have to go to their office um and Simon at the time was actually completely wiped out with a migraine so it was kind of good that he wasn't on a plane at the time but yeah I had to go and like sort all this out by myself and but yeah, so it, it, it wasn't the worst thing in the end, but I just, I felt so awful because I would just, I, you know, pride myself on being really organized about these things. So, yeah. Well, it's good to hear <laughs> that someone who's organized also has travel mishaps because I'm not organized and I, which leads to many <laughs> travel mishaps, but it must be something in Singapore because same as you, you know, we had our, I, we tell a story on podcast before people have listened to it. I've heard it, but Singapore um, airport, I passport was too full and i actually had to go to the office in the middle of town too and it was just a whole hubbub so you're not the only one who's had issues in singapore it must be something in the air there um that throws us veteran travelers off our game last thing i want to ask you then is what is in the pipeline for you at neverending voyage at a trail wallet whatever with the book is there is there anything that we should be aware of that that you guys are looking to do um, work-wise, not really. We're, we're working on, well, we're working on doing a new um, web design for Never Any Voyage, but Simon's been working on that for mm, a year or so. so <laughs> I'm, not make, I'm not making any promises. You're the one that pushes it. him to get stuff out, it seems like, right? I, am I reading that right? I, I try, okay. but it doesn't always work. Right. There's only so, so much, <laughs> you know, ultimately I end up giving up. I'm like, it will be done when it's done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not making promises when that when that will be um, out. But yeah, otherwise we're just generally kind of working on. I've got so much on the blog to write about about our interrail train trip around um, Europe. So that that's all coming up. But yeah, though otherwise we are just in our little village in Spain at the moment, just um, focusing on work and healthy eating and exercising and just kind of settling down for a bit. Um, for a couple of months and then in December we're going back to England for the first time in seven years for Christmas the first time that we've 
been to England in the winter in all that time or anywhere really in the winter so I'm a bit worried about how cold we're going to be <laughs> we are used to tropical temperatures just remember your advice you can buy anything you want at the place now it might be a little more expensive yeah. if you're buying it in yeah. England versus buying like really, a- you can you can find some really cheap deals and there's some shops where you can get you know there's like Primark and places like that in the market so you can get sometimes it can be cheaper than in other countries I guess just because I know where where to go to find the deals so yes we will be stocking up on our winter clothes when we get there definitely well, I'm interested uh, to see what this winter, since last time you spent a winter in the UK, it led to this crazy, all right, we're going to become <laughs> digital nomads and it flipped your life upside down. So who knows what this is going to lead to? Well, we already have a plan, actually, um, for the beginning of January. It's, we haven't booked anything yet, but we are planning to go to Africa for the first time. So we'll be starting in with a road trip across South Africa. So that's January's plan, which we're pretty excited about. Awesome. Well, if you need any help, let us know. We we did a similar thing and it was, I okay. think you're going to be just um, amazed at how awesome South Africa is. It's Cape Town yeah. in particular is, is where we kind of focused yeah. our journey. So yeah, we're planning to spend two months there after the road trip. It is. You'll love it. And it's not going to be cold during that time. No. So you'll love no. it even more. I chose it on purpose to go in the summer. <laughs> awesome. Well, we might meet you down there. Uh, we have dreams getting to get back to Cape Town, especially in the summer. So we could be sure. down there. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, personally, for being one of the first travel websites I ever started reading and one who really pushed me towards visiting Thailand for the first time, which we can see with that what happened, opened up a whole can of worms. Here we are four years later talking about uh, being location dependent and being digital nomads. So thank you for that. Remind people one more time how they can um, find out more about you guys, how they can come connect. What's the best way to do all that? Well, the, our website's neverendingvoyage.com. Um, and you can find all our social media stuff on there as well. But yeah, the Facebook page is Never Ending Voyage, and we're on uh, Twitter and Instagram as Never Ending Voyage. Awesome. And guys, check that out. Some some really great photography. And when I was on your site a couple days ago, just looking at what was new, I was found myself falling down the rabbit hole again. You do a great job at <laughs> linking back to all your older stuff, which I need to do a better job of because I'm just clicking through like, oh, yeah, let's go read about the best vegetarian restaurants in Chiang Mai. And then it leads to something <laughs> else. So um, be prepared to fall down a great rabbit hole of travel um, inspiration and pictures and everything like that and head to Never Ending Voyage. Guys, don't forget, if you, if you want to get any of the show notes or anything we talked about, we'll link everything up in here. We'll link up Trail Wallet. We'll link up Never Ending Voyage. We'll link up some of the specific articles we talked about, everything like that. You can get that by going to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods, P-O-D-S. So all the podcasts are up there as well. All the 200 and however many now, 50 plus episodes we've done over the last couple of years. I want to give a shout out to Tortuga Backpacks. I know Simon uses a Tortuga Backpack as well, so that fits here. Um, if you guys are looking for the best carry on backpack, head on over there to tortugabackpacks.com. You can use the promo code EPOP, E P O P, all capital letters. That'll get you 10% off. Whether you go for their old version, the V2, or their new version, which will be coming out, the V3, you can use that promo code. And Aaron, I just want to say thanks again um, for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thanks for the continued support, as always, that keeps us the number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. And until next time, happy free travels. I'll show you Paris.